God bless America. Boom, there it is, the intro music, and God bless America. I'm Andrew Britton, Red, White, and True Podcast, back with episode two. So I'd like to thank everybody for coming back to join us. Hopefully you're back. Um, if this is your first time, then dig in here. We're going to get into some stuff. But before we get into anything, I'd like to address Hurricane Ian. Um, I'd like to say that our thoughts and prayers are with everybody in Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, anywhere that's that's dealing with the aftermath of that disastrous storm, that disastrous hurricane, and to those who are still dealing with it. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. We hope that you're all safe. God willing, anybody that lost their life down there, we mourn for you. Anybody who had property damaged and their personal belongings damaged and all the destruction from the storm, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We hope that everybody's able to get back to normal, happy, free life as soon as possible. And we're thinking of you. I, I personally have somebody that I care deeply about that lives right around Fort Myers. And I know that it's 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 pretty ugly down there and it's difficult. It's a difficult situation. So our thoughts and prayers are with all of you and that everybody affected has the ability to get through this natural disaster as quickly and as expediently as, as possible. So we're thinking of all of you. And I wanted to make mention of that. And guys, if there's if there's any way possible that there's anything that you can do to try to help the people of Florida, to help our fellow Americans down there, if there's any support that you can give to them, there's multiple ample ways to try to do so. Now, make sure you're not getting scammed because there's a lot of crappy people out there that try to take advantage of these situations. But there's a lot of pain and suffering and despair going on based on the devastation of, of this hurricane. And I think it's imperative in times like these that we as Americans, we stick together and, and we've shown such a propensity to do this for each other in the past when we experience disasters and things that are that are difficult. So speaking of, of difficult, diving right into the show here, we've already established in previous podcasts, episode one, part one and part two, that our leadership is failing us. I don't care that that leadership is Democrat, Republican, Independent. I'm an American and I want America to be strong and safe and for everybody to have the best opportunities to succeed, to be willing to work hard and succeed. We do not have that right now. We have a failing economy. We have a stock market that's falling through the floor. I mean, at this rate, by the end of this administration, I'm going to owe money on my 401k. We have a wide open border. We have fentanyl flowing across the border, killing 300 Americans a day, mostly young Americans. Wow, that's bad. We have crime exploding all around the country. We have an educational system that seems to be more intent on teaching our children their personal ideology than they do actual school subjects. Don't be stupid. A free press that doesn't seem to be operating so freely. Please do your job. And an FBI that seems to be targeting certain citizens of certain beliefs of this country, weaponizing the FBI and the DOJ. You should be ashamed of yourself. So it seems insurmountable, right? It seems like, oh my gosh, how can we deal with all these issues as Americans? So yet again, I'd like to play this Bill Clinton clip and remind you of my belief in America. Our democracy must be not only the envy of the world, but the engine of our own renewal. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. 
And guys, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly to the depths of my soul. I, I have to believe that. I have to believe that America and everything that it stands for, and we the people who have the power in that country, will always fight back and stand up for the betterment of Americans' lives, even in a time where we have more Americans that have died from fentanyl poisoning than died in the Vietnam War or conflict or whatever you want to call it. But I have to believe in this. But I ask you this. I do want to pose this question. With all of these things that are completely falling apart and failing right now, and I want to preface this by saying I am not a conspiracy theorist. I, in fact, most of the time I, I kind of laugh about those conspiracy theories because I think most of them sound a bit, I don't know, for lack of a better term, crazy. I, I also, I am not a believer in coincidence. So are we to believe that the people in power are so inept and so stupid that they genuinely believe that these policies are going to work, that these things that they're implementing on us are going to be successful and create better lives for us when we've actually seen ample instances in history that have shown us that these exact same types of policies will fail over and over and over again. And to that I say, there's no way that this is coincidence. And there's no way that this many systems failing is an accident. It just can't be. And to that, I direct you guys to do a little bit of research or look up Cloward Piven, okay? This is orchestrating a crisis. This was some professors, I can't remember at what school, um, Ivy League school in the 1960s who came up with this concept of orchestrating essentially a crisis to allow the government to swoop in and save everybody and take control, okay? This sounds a bit crazy, but if you look, if you read into it, it's actually very concerning because there are some direct points and indicators within it that are a bit scary to read if you look at them relative to what's going on now. I also have heard over and over and over again from right-wing media and from conspiracy theorists all over the place, I've heard the Great Reset, the Great Reset, right? Resetting the world society back to this utopian socialist world government that we would all live under the power of the ruling class, essentially, okay? For a long time, I have seen this as a very dramatic conspiracy theory. But if you look at the systematic failure of everything that's happening around us right now, the division that's being sown in this country, not just amongst race, skin color, but also political parties in which the political party in power is demonizing and in fact calling names like fascist. And that word is so powerful, fascism. And before we move forward, I want to take a chance to define, take this opportunity to define fascism. Fascism is a system of government led by a dictator who typically rules by force and often violence to opposition and criticism. Where do we see opposition and criticism being silenced and jailed and tried to be prosecuted for their opposing beliefs right now? I'm not trying to make a partisan statement. 
I'm simply stating facts. These things are happening. We are going to get more into it later on. But I want to play a clip here from Ronald Reagan, a man who experienced fascism. He led the United States against fascism, communism, and socialism. And I think it's important that we understand what fascism is through history, from people who experienced it, and from the people who executed it on their people. So here's Ronald, Ronald Reagan speaking about communism, socialism, fascism. I, a number of years ago, I heard a young father addressing a tremendous gathering in California. It was during the time of the Cold War, and communism and our own way of life were very much on people's minds, and he was speaking. And suddenly, though, I heard him saying, I love my little girls more than anything, and I said to myself, oh no, don't, you can't, don't say that. But I had underestimated him. He went on, I would rather see my little girls die now, still believing in God, than have them grow up under communism and one day die no longer believing in God. Let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. It was C.S. Lewis who in his unforgettable screw tape letters wrote, the greatest evil is not done now in those sordid dens of crime that Dickens loved to paint. It is not even done in concentration camps and labor camps. In those, we see its final result. But it is conceived and ordered, moved, seconded, carried, and minuted in clear, carpeted, warmed, and well-lighted offices by quiet men with white collars and cut fingernails and smooth-shaven cheeks who do not need to raise their voice. Well, because these quiet men do not raise their voices, because they sometimes speak in soothing tones of brotherhood and peace, because like other dictators before them, they're always making their final territorial demand, some would have us accept them at their word and accommodate ourselves to their aggressive impulses. But if history teaches anything, it teaches that simple-minded appeasement or wishful thinking about our adversaries is folly. It means the betrayal of our past, the squandering of our freedom. So I urge you to speak out against those who would place the United States in a position of military and moral inferiority. I urge you to beware the temptation of pride, the temptation of blithely declaring yourselves above it all and label both sides equally at fault to ignore the facts of history and the aggressive impulses of an evil empire. So there's a few key pieces in there that I think are interesting to talk about. He starts his speech with an anecdote about a father talking about how he would rather see his daughters die believing in God than die under socialism, communism, not believing in God. That is because under socialism, socialism and fascism and communism, understand there's really not much of a distinguishable difference between socialism and communism. Even Karl Marx recognized that himself, the guy who's essentially the creator. Okay, under those systems, God and families cannot exist 
Because the government, the system, the community must be God. It must be all-powerful. God and family are a threat to that. And let's look at some examples. Mussolini, Italy, Hitler, Germany, Vladimir Lenin, Russia, Joseph Stalin, Russia, Julius Narara, Tanzania. These were all socialist regimes that started off seeming like things were going to be good, this socialist utopia. But very quickly, any depictions of God or religious symbols or religious freedoms start to be removed because the state sees it as a threat. Then, in almost all of these instances, the children get taken away. They become property of the state raised by the state. In some instances, this is done somewhat willingly, but in other instances, this is done very forcefully. Okay? So the destruction of God, religion, and family, because socialism and fascism cannot exist with people who believe strongly in those values, because those people will never, ever, ever claim loyalty to a politician over their God or their family. So we see instances of this happening around America right now. Religious symbols, religious ideology being removed is no more evident than during the pandemic. When during the pandemic, you could go to a weed shop, you could go to the casino, you could go to a strip club, but you couldn't go to the church because clearly COVID knew if you were in a church and it would certainly spread more effectively in a church than it would any of those other places. You could go to a protest or a demonstration, but you couldn't go to church. And kids couldn't go to school. The, the chi- Here we are, to the children now. The, the children. Children, go look, go look up some stories about how schools are taking part in getting children removed from their parents' houses, hiding information from them, and using CPS to remove children from families. This is terrifying. So I want us to understand, he also talks about concentration camps and that being the end result of socialism because it never ends well, you guys. It never ends well. So we need to be very leery and very concerned when a political party in power starts throwing around names and calling names like fascist and insurrectionist and treasonist about the opposite party. Okay, and I don't name names about those parties because if it was flip-flopped, I would think it's just as despicable. It's absolutely, absolutely not okay. And it's dangerous. It's so dangerous. And when you take all the things into consideration, it's hard to not at least consider the fact, especially given the fact that all of these things have already been implemented in Europe. Europe's already primed and set up to go. If they can hold on to it, they've caused enough suffering over there that I, uh, the citizens of Europe may revolt. They did it in Italy, and we're going to get into that here shortly. But pay attention to what's happening on. I, I beg this of you. Look at what's going on around us. Let's not be blind sheep being led to slaughter. I don't care what party's in power. This is the United States of America. We were born with our rights here. God gave us unalienable rights. That's what our Constitution says. And we deserve those rights. Guys, the tame and conformist types have a need to show the enemies of their society as sick so as to 
delegitimize their valid complaints against society and against the government. For example, in an effort to delegitimize them, they do things such as saying things like, they don't agree with us, so they are fascist, authoritarian, racist, homophobic, transphobic, insurrectionist, extremist, domestic terrorist, threat to democracy, ageist, any kind of ist you can think of, they, they call the they call those people those names in an effort to delegitimize any claim, any fact, any argument, any opposition that they have to the tame and conformist types that want to be in the ruling class. So what are you saying? Well, President Obama, what I'm saying is, is, is that we need to open our eyes and see what's going on. We need to seek the truth and identify the reasoning for why these things are happening. There has to be a reason why the people who are leading the government now are seeing that their policies are failing so miserable, but yet they're not going back and making adjustments. They're doubling down on these things. And there are things going on around America, major news stories that aren't being told by the mainstream media, by the people who are supposed to inform us to the things that are going on within the people in power, that are supposed to hold those people accountable. There are major stories, major facts, a lot of truth that's not being told. And we've got some recent news stories that I want to hit here. I want to touch on quickly on some of these things and and move forward. And a lot of these stories are primarily stories that aren't being told in the mainstream media. That's a mystery. Well, it's not a mystery to me, Mr. Farley. Thank you for your interjection. But there's a common theme amongst all these stories, and it's that they don't support a certain side's narrative. Okay? And that takes us to our first story, which is in North Dakota. A man named Shannon Brandt killed, ran down with his car, an 18-year-old named Kaylor Ellingson. And here's a clip that explains the story a little bit, and we'll make some comments after the clip. A North Dakota man says he intentionally hit and killed an 18-year-old with his car all over a political dispute. He told police he chased that teenager down around town because he thought the victim was part of a Republican extremist group. Harris, 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson's family and that community are grieving his death at such a young age. Here's what we know. Police say Shannon Brandt struck and killed 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson. The teen called his mother twice in the early morning hours, saying he was being chased. Brandt admitted to state radio that he hit the pedestrian and that pedestrian was part of a Republican extremist group. They say the suspect, Brandt, admitted to drinking, is charged with vehicular homicide with a DUI and leaving the scene of a fatal crash. They have conducted multiple interviews and have not been able to confirm that Ellingson was a part of any Republican extremist group. That's just how white folks will do you. How disgusting is that? And just so you know, this man, Shannon Brandt, he's out on $50,000 bail, walking around free before he awaits a trial after he ran down an 18-year-old with his car because he said that he might be, he thought he was, a right-wing extremist. This drunk, fat loser ruined the life, ended the life of an 18-year-old. And oh, this man, Shannon Brandt, says that he doesn't want this incident to have an effect on his own life or an effect on his job or his ability to do his job. Wow. I don't even know what else to say to that. That is unbelievable. But let me ask you this. 
If the roles were flipped and it was a liberal or a Democrat that was run down by a Republican or a right-wing extremist, do you think this story gets told in the mainstream media? I bet it does. And let me ask you this. Do you think that that hate-filled, blood-red background speech that President Biden gave in Philadelphia had anything to do, possibly, with the level of division and hatred that there is right now that's maybe fueling these types of issues? And to that, I'd have to say, I don't know exactly the answer to that question, but I'd have to say that it certainly didn't help. So thank you for that, Mr. President. You should be ashamed of yourself. I also have to say that those in the media who are calling every Republican an extremist fascist certainly isn't helping either. Understand that the lies that you know that you're telling are fueling these type of violent incidents, crime, exploding. This is miserable and devastating for that family of that 18-year-old young man. And this is happening in many, many places, despite what the government and the FBI would like you to believe, that they are protecting us all from right-wing extremism, please, 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 outside of January 6th, which was a despicable incident, you show me the systematic right-wing extremist violent incidents that are similar to this one. Go ahead. I'm listening. Exactly. Nothing. Because the examples don't exist. Okay, but there's another story that I bet you haven't heard of coming out of Buffalo, New York. So I'm sure everybody remembers when the Dobbs decision was leaked, in which they still haven't found the person that leaked the Dobbs decision, which tells me they're either incompetent and can't figure out amongst a small group of people who actually leaked this thing, or they do know who leaked it, and they don't want to tell you or tell us who leaked it because it's probably a prominent person, if that's the case, and they can't allow that to get out because it's going to look really, really bad. Okay, but on to the next story. Buffalo, New York. Dobbs' decision gets leaked. These left-wing fringe groups get created, like Jane's Revenge and Ruth sent us, and they start becoming these violent acts of terrorism against pregnancy help centers all around the United States of America, okay? And one of them is in Buffalo, New York. And in this particular incident, there's video footage of a a group of people that firebomb this pregnancy help center. So once the fire gets put out and the employees of the health center get a chance to go in, they pull the tapes They call the police department and they call the FBI because this is clearly an act of domestic terrorism, a real act of domestic terrorism, not parents at school board meetings, but a a real act of domestic terrorism. So they turn these tapes in. Well, they don't hear anything back for a while. No leads, even though there were literally dozens of these incidents around the country in which the FBI has arrested nobody and found no leads. And people, they were posting this stuff on social media. So you're trying to tell me that the largest, most technologically advanced, most powerful federal law enforcement institution on the face of the planet can't find people who are committing acts of domestic terrorism when they were posting it on social media. And there's video footage from these places that they were damaging and vandalizing that have them caught on camera. And you're trying to tell me that the FBI can't find these people. Well, that's a joke. So needless to say, This pregnancy help 
Pregnancy Help Center, is hearing nothing back from the police. So they go to the police and they ask, what's going on? And the police say that they can't find who did it. The the tape isn't really helping. The FBI can't find who did it. And that they're still investigating to see if they can get any leads or figure out what happened. Well, this smells a little fishy to this reverend who runs this this pregnancy help center. So he requests their their video footage back. Well, he is gets the runaround. They don't give him the footage back and he keeps to push back on it. Why why won't they give him this footage? Well, finally he pushes hard enough that he gets to the police and says, "Look, we just want our video back." Give us the tape back. We'll start putting leads out to see if we can get any help from the public to identify who committed this act of terror. And the police department proceeds to tell him, well, we've been instructed by the FBI and we cannot give this video back to you because if you release this to the public, it could incite acts of right wing extremist violence. Did did you hear that? A videotape of left-wing extremist violence on a pregnancy help center. The video of the criminals who committed this crime being released could incite right-wing extremist violence. That is the position of our FBI and the Buffalo police. That is unbelievable. And have you heard that story being told? No, of course you haven't heard that story being told because it is directly contradictory to the narrative in which the FBI and the people in power want you to believe. People in power want you to believe that it's the other side that they're demonizing that are so violent. But yet we all saw all the protests. We all saw all the damage to these preg- these pro-life centers, these pregnancy help centers. And and keep in mind, these pregnancy help centers, these are designed to help people who have decided to keep their their child, okay? They're not being forced into keeping their child. They made a decision to keep their child. And these places are being demonized for helping those people, as if those women and those places have done a bad thing for not aborting a baby. How dare you not abort that baby? That is a miserable position to be. It's sad to me, guys. I mean, are we really at that place where if you don't abort a baby, you're you're seen as as bad? I mean, really? Have we gotten there? Because if we have, that's terrifying. Having children is the most beautiful, most amazing, best job I will ever have in my life. It is fantastic. You hear clips of my kids throughout the show. Funny little clips. It's amazing. They say the craziest things. They're maddening, but it's beautiful. And we're in a position right now where people are being demonized for wanting to have families. But keep in mind that the destruction of religion and the destruction of family is the primary path to socialism. Because nobody would commit their allegiance to a politician if they believed in God and they strongly believed in their family. Nobody would put a politician or the government of socialism as a religion above those two things. So those two things cannot be pushed out to us. They cannot be condoned in a situation where socialism is the direction in which we're trying to be moved if we believe in God and family. Tell them like it is. I'm trying to. And look, guys, 
In doing the research for this podcast, I have found and discovered things that I never thought that I would find. I've found a dark underbelly of American society, of American politics, that's eating away at our rights. That's trying to take away and destroy the America in which we all grew up in and that we want our children to grow up in. And I tell you, it scares the hell out of me. And that's why I'm doing this. Hell, some of the things that I say on this podcast, especially when we get into FBI stuff, there may not be another podcast, guys, because the FBI may kick my door in. I don't know. But I'll tell you another thing, another story that they are talking about in the mainstream media because it scares the hell out of them is what just happened in Italy. And that is a woman named Georgia Maloney and her party just took the majority. They are a conservative group of politicians. She is a staunch conservative. She believes in God, family, country. And the left, the mainstream media is going insane over this woman. They are freaking out. So I have a clip here from the Tucker Carlson show of Georgia Maloney speaking, and you can tell that it's her because she's speaking with a heavy Italian accent, and then a bunch of mainstream pundits destroying her and calling her a fascist. And then followed by that, I have a Sky News clip uh, giving a little bit more light on this Georgia Maloney is a fascist um, rhetoric that's being pushed around by the mainstream media because they are terrified by this woman. Only a few months ago, European Union bureaucrats wrote a document hundreds of pages long telling us that in order to be inclusive, we had to exclude all references to Christmas, Jesus, Mary, and all Christian names were to be removed from all official communication. Will we surrender in front of this? No. That's a radical message, God, family, country. That's not radical. Fascists don't believe in God because God is a rival to their power, of course. That's so scary. It's so scary to the people running and benefiting from our current system. And why is that? And now it's obvious because she just won. So even in this country, the people running and benefiting from a deeply corrupt and doomed system are hysterical. Watch the reaction to that. I want to start today by talking about a politician on the right who we should all be worried about, who's on the rise today, a politician who has brushed off accusations of fascism. What separates us from, let's say, Italy, who elected a a fascist? She is from fascist roots. A far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascist. A party that has its roots in Italian fascism. I'm sorry you hate yourself. And I promise you, that is just a small piece of the Georgia Maloney is a fascist rhetoric that's being shoved around in the mainstream media right now. But if you don't believe that, if you don't believe me and you don't believe that clip, here is a perspective from Sky News a news organization outside of the United States of America. John, I want to return to some comments made at the top of the show about the new Italian Prime Minister, Giorgia Maloney. The left have decried her as a a hard-right, fascist sort of character, but it's hard to find fault with her positions. I mean, low-tax, pro-family, pro-sovereignty. I think we need a bit of that here. Well, to make the point that the Italian press has not been describing her in that language, 
because they know what a fascist really is. The second point I'd make is that she holds the sort of views that the left, as recently as I would say, as a Paul Keating, would have simply regarded as normal. Did you catch those comments towards the end of what that gentleman's saying there? He says, the Italian press isn't calling her fascist because they actually know what fascism is because of the system that they've been currently living under that has nearly destroyed their country. And also because not too long ago, they lived under the rule of a man named Mussolini. You know, Hitler's best friend, Hitler's mentor. Yeah, that guy, a real fascist. A guy who absolutely led Italy to the brink of destruction, okay? But why, why are they so afraid of this woman? Well, she destroys their narrative. If she is successful, which she likely will be, because I don't know if you caught another comment there that he says that the things that she believes in, God, family, country, those things would have been considered normal not too long ago. But unfortunately, we've gotten to this place where somehow we've gotten to these radical beliefs that are are really bizarre that it's happened so quickly. But yet again, she is a threat to the narrative. Okay? And that is why we also see things like are happening to Bill Malugin. The same Bill Malugin that we spoke of in the last podcast. In fact, I played some of his reporting on the border. Bill Malugin had a piece in Politico written against him. A hit piece. I I guess you can call it a hit piece. They did a really poor job at a hit piece. But with Bill Malugin, sources from the White House giving information to Politico, trying to delegitimize Bill Malugin, calling his reporting on the border alarmist, taking information directly from liberals, directly from the White House, trying to provide instances in which they could delegitimize and discredit Bill Malugin, a prominent and established journalist's stories on the border because it exposes a story that they don't want exposed. It's bad for the narrative, and they desperately need to stay in power so they can continue to push their narrative. This narrative is being pushed by the mainstream media. Okay? Bill Malugin, who's simply reporting on the absolute and fundamental disaster that is occurring on our border. Hundreds of people dying. They are so overwhelmed with death from immigrants trying to cross that they and South Texas that they are running out of places to store the dead bodies they're having to rent refrigerated trailers to keep the bodies some instances they are burying these illegal immigrants in unmarked graves in their local graveyards using PVC pipe crosses to mark the graves And given all that and the humanitarian disaster that the border is, here are the two most prominent figures in our government responsible for border security, Alejandro Mayorkas and Kamala Harris. Uh, No other way to explain it, but that they are just straight lying to us, lying to our face like we're stupid. So as a reminder, listen to this. Uh, The border is closed. The border is secure. Yep, you're not smart. Would you call the border secure? 
The border is secure. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. Stop peeing on me and telling me it's rain. Yeah, I agree with you, buddy. It's definitely not rain. And you hear a response, but, but we, but the, is the border secure in that it, it, because we have a border, it's secure. No, there they are, the two most prominent figures in the United States government responsible for the border, lying to our faces. Like we are plum idiots lying to our faces. This is what's happening. And the White House wants to try to tell us through the media that Bill Malugin's reporting is alarmist and that it is not correct. That he is falsely reporting this to try and push his own narrative. When unfortunately what he's doing is reporting the truth. And the truth is inconvenient right now. The truth on the border is inconvenient. So after the story was published in Politico, in which they call him a Ducey at the border. So just in case you don't know, Peter Ducey is a White House correspondent for Fox, who's really a pain in the rear end for Joe Biden and the French woman, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Okay, so they're describing Bill Malugin as a Ducey at the border. Well, after they release this article, they release a follow-up. And in the follow-up, they specifically cite that a prominent Democratic politician called in and said that they had missed the boat. They had missed the biggest point. And the biggest point, the biggest slanderous thing that they could say about Bill Malugin that they had allegedly missed was that Bill Malugin, are you ready for this? Are you guys ready? Good-looking Bill Malugin worked at Abercrombie & Fitch when he was in college at Arizona State. Boom! <laughs> oh my God. We have to discredit this man. How dare him work a job through college? How dare him be a good-looking man that worked at Abercrombie & Fitch? How dare you, Bill Malugin? There's no way you can be a journalist. You worked at Abercrombie & Fitch. Wow. <laughs> I don't I don't even know I don't even know what to say because you guys, there was a time not all that long ago that when a prominent politician tried to attack a member of the press, a prominent award-winning member of the press, regardless of what your ideology was, the entire press would have stood up and pushed back against that politician. They would have stood up in unity and said, absolutely not. You will not do this to us. It is a violation of our First Amendment. It is a violation of free press. It is a violation of free speech and our rights as American to tell the truth about what you are doing to do our actual job as the press, to expose the people in power for the mistakes that they are making that are harming the citizens, we the people of the United States of America. But did that happen? Absolutely it didn't happen. The mainstream media and left-wing liberal media outlets jumped on board and piled on top of Bill Malugin. 
and this has been said by other people, Bill Malugin doesn't need me to fight his fight. I'm nobody. Almost nobody's going to listen to this podcast. It's going to be tiny numbers. But he can fight his own fight. But this is so wrong and so unbelievably foul. I can't believe it. I expect it from the White House because this is irritating for them. But from the press to not stand up for a fellow journalist simply telling the truth and doing his job is absolutely disgusting. And all it does is indicate further and further that the mainstream media who constantly gets information leaked to them by the FBI, the DOJ, by prominent liberal politicians, they always get the drop on embarrassing situations where the FBI is kicking somebody's door in and they can get the embarrassing shots of some journalist who tells right-wing stories or who stepped out of line from the liberal narrative. You guys, I I know I'm railing on the on the liberals here, but this is who is in power right now and they are the ones who are committing and executing these unbelievably destructive policies against us, we the people, who are spending insane amounts of money causing inflation, making our lives harder, spending $200 million to find out if Japanese quail will procreate more, if they're more promiscuous, if they're high on cocaine. Really? Really? I'm serious. Go look it up. These are the things we're spending money on. While Americans are suffering, gas prices are high, and they're back on the rise again, this is what's happening. And politicians try to rail on Bill Malugin for his reporting at the border, and nobody in the media, nobody in the mainstream media stands up for that and pushes back against that. And that is a clear indication of how sad things have gotten in the propaganda arm of the Democratic Party, which is the mainstream media. Whoa, easy does it. Okay, okay, I get it. I, I got a little... I got a little worked up. I got a little passionate and fired up there, and and it went a bit sideways for just a second, okay? But I think that it's really concerning that these things are happening. And I want to tell a quick anecdote here before we close the show here. I want to use Elizabeth Holmes and her company, Theranos, as an example to how things can go sadly wrong when you have a good idea. Everything starts with the great idea, with promise. We're going to save the world, okay? So Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, all right? Elizabeth Holmes comes up with an idea where she's going to create and build a blood testing machine that can go into people's homes. Initially, it it would be at people's pharmacies, but then eventually it would be a piece of equipment that somebody could keep in their house. And instead of taking full vials of blood, they were taking simple drops of blood. They could put this, well, allegedly they said they could put this drop of blood into the machine and they could run an entire series of tests, hundreds of tests to be able to determine the health status of somebody based on this single drop of blood. Well, she sold this to investors. She sold this technology to potential customers. She was able to fraudulently get money out of a lot of people, a lot of very smart people, because she had a utopian idea that was going to change the world. Okay? But when things started to go sideways because the science didn't line up with the ideology, 
the reality didn't line up with the ideology, things started to go sideways. They started to do things like lying to investors, lying to the government about what progress they had made, about where they were, how safe this thing was. They started doing things like spying on their own employees, monitoring their conversations amongst each other to ensure that nobody dared to say anything negative or dared to say anything about what was going wrong within this particular project. Theranos became a multi-billion dollar company based on a system that they were trying to build that did not work, that was not going to work. Okay? The science didn't match up with reality. Okay? Then, as we get to the end of this whole thing, Theranos is frivolently spending money on lavish personal items while the company is really struggling to meet the demands that it has set for itself and given to its investors and customers about the completion and the legitimacy and the functionality of the project that they have built. This Edison machine that was supposed to be this magical blood testing machine. Okay? Even prominent political and business and medical people believed in this idea. They invested in this company. They sat on the board of Elizabeth Holmes' company, Theranos. And they believed in this because the idea was such a great idea. And the vision that she had sold them was such a strong vision. And she was a very good salesman or saleswoman, should I say. I apologize. But needless to say, the science, the actual practice didn't match reality. Understand this. She knew that it was failing. She knew that her system didn't work. She knew it was causing damage and issues for patients, but she continued forward. She drove forward knowing that her system was failing. Her ideas were failing out of her pride and her greed. Does this sound similar to the failures that we have going on around us with the government right now and the policies that have been imposed on us? Guys, this is an extremely similar circumstance to what happens in socialism. The same thing has happened over and over and over again everywhere any form of socialism has tried to be implemented. It fails. It fails miserably every single time. So we need to pay attention to these things. We need to understand if this is the direction that people are trying to move us in, we need to understand how that has worked and functioned in the past. Because if it is only a path to destruction, it appears to me that that's not a direction that we want to go in. I think most Americans would like to get back to a place where we have more financial stability. We have the ability to pay for our bills, to pay for energy, to support our families, to live the freaking American dream. Tell it like it is. I'm trying to tell it like it is. But you guys, I'd like to thank you so much for listening. I'd like to thank you for being a part of this, for listening to me pour my heart out on this thing, trying to make fact and truth-based arguments to show the things that are going on in America, the things that we need to fight for. We have to fight for these things. If we want to maintain our freedoms, we have to fight for them. Freedom isn't free. So please, 
please talk about these things with your friends. Talk about these things with your family. Talk about these things with anybody who wants to engage in conversation with you, whether they agree with you or not. Having conversations about these things, about the past history of systems that are trying to be implemented now, or where we think new ideas may take us to. Having conversations about these things are the the way that we ultimately come to the best decisions in the best interest of we the people, the American people, who are the bosses of this whole experiment. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd like to thank you for being a part of this. I'd like to ask everybody, beg everybody, seek the truth. Find out what's going on. Better understand it. Understand your options and the people who are supposed to be representing you and the people who are telling you stories or lies or what's supposed to be news or the truth. Seek the truth always. And like always, the road to progress is paved in facts. Boom. I love America. God bless America.